From the Podcast Network at Family Life, this is Brian Goins, host of Married with Benefits, where we're committed to helping you love the one you're with and discover the real benefits of saying, I do. Welcome to Married with Benefits, episode five. Shanti, this has got to be one of my favorite questions. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, this is really good because I think all of us have this story. Question is, why did I think something was going to happen tonight, but you're still watching Netflix? And we were joking with Jim, our executive producer. It's like all of us have this feeling of expectation and we think our spouse should be on the same page. Yeah, should be on the same page, same wavelength. I mean, we're married to them and we thought we sent maybe a signal or we thought we pinched them in the right place or we Before thought... Before we walked upstairs right, seductively. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm lying in bed and man, that show seems to be going a really long time. What is going on? Yeah. What's yes. going on? The whole thing about expectation is tough, right? Because it seems like there's so many things that can come into play with that, whether that's the, giving a signal that didn't get received or whether that's just bad circumstances. Like it, the problem is like we can get disappointed with intimacy so easily. I remember Jen and I, we were... Five years into marriage, I was basically unemployed. I was a freelance writer, which is a fancy word for unemployed. <laughs> and so we were living in, in the basement of my parents or her parents' unfinished home. He's a general contractor, builds homes, lives in it as they're building another one. And then, you know, but he was in between homes. So and he wasn't expecting his, you know, <laughs> his daughter and son-in-law to come live with them <laughs> along with their one and a half year old daughter at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Needless to say, we're in a room and we have a, a door that's that hadn't even been hung yet. So we have a curtain. <laughs> and then my father-in-law is sleeping like 10 yards away, 10 feet away. And so it didn't matter what signal I was sending. <laughs> nothing was going to happen. There was no. nothing much that was going to happen. And it got to the place where I just I told Jen, I, my disappointment was kind of welling up. And I said, something's got to happen, you know. And she's like, what do you want me to do? My, my parents are sleeping, you know, 10 feet away. Conditions have to be perfect. This is far from perfect. Not going to happen. You can't lock a sheet. And so <laughs> I said, I don't know. Let's go camping. I mean, we're up in Montana. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. And so she said, okay. And I think within about five seconds of her saying, okay, and, and me hearing that, I was outside in the backyard setting up a tent. <laughs> and I remember my mother-in-law coming out there and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm setting up a tent. She's like, why? I said, because we're going camping. And she said, in the backyard? <laughs> now, granted, Montana, backyard, you have five acres, you know, everyone's got some space. So it feels like camping. And I looked back at my mother-in-law and I just said with gritted teeth, yes, we're going camping because we haven't camped in a long time. <laughs> I don't know if she got the message, but I think all of us have been there where there's this feeling of, I don't know what to do with my disappointment. Yeah, exactly. You know, my, my signals aren't getting through. We can't seem to fix our circumstances. What do I do? Or I never know when you're interested. Yes. Like, how do I even know whether if I approach you, yeah. it'll be received well? How do I signal I'm not interested? Yep. Like, there yeah. is a lot there. Yeah. yeah. Jen had no problem knowing that I was interested. It's just... <laughs> But all that to say is, like, we have a totally different idea when I see those happy, happy camper, like, shirts. <laughs> you have I a completely have, different feeling. I have a completely different idea about what that means. So, Well, one of the things that it, it, was, it was really interesting, when Jeff and I started this project with Dr. Michael Seitzma, who obviously we have heard from in other episodes, when we started this, and we're just the average sort of semi-confused husband and wife when it comes to this topic, right? Like, we hadn't started the big research project yet. 
And we, one of the things that we have heard from many couples when we do events is this kind of, hey, can I kind of go off into a corner and tell you my disappointment kind of story, mm-hmm. right? And it's so often in this area. And we were telling Dr. Mike that and about these kinds of stories. And he said, I'll tell you exactly what the problem is and how to fix it. And we're like, really? Yeah, take <laughs> like, quick. I'll, I want to know. And he said, it is so simple. He said, the issue isn't because often they don't have outside circumstances. It's just, why are you still down watching downstairs right. watching Netflix? Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, the problem is we think of that, the higher desire person thinks the other person is rejecting them, doesn't have the same desire, blah, blah, blah. He said, often it has nothing to do with that. The problem is that you don't have a good signal for initiation. Hmm. You don't know how to initiate sex. And Jeff and I looked at each other like, what? You know, what do you mean? I know. You don't know how to. And as he started to unpack it, and then we eventually started to research it, it is the most simple fix that has the most profound impacts. Really? Because so often the reason for the fact that you are upstairs wondering why your spouse is downstairs watching Netflix is you had no idea that you did not signal hmm. that you had that expectation. Right. Or if you did, your spouse didn't know to receive it yeah. as a signal. It was just completely missed. And so once you actually sit down and talk about that, once you actually develop, okay, how do we initiate? Like, what does that look like? How do I signal? It completely changes the expectations. Now, I can basically feel that there's some initiating desire types that are going, wait, I signal all the time. (laughs) And I'm pretty blunt about it. You know, I was pretty blunt to Jen. I want to have sex. (laughs) Or I was maybe touching her in a way. She's like, you can't misinterpret that signal. Yeah, exactly. And so what do you do with that? Like if it's if it's not about the right signals, what's going on there? Well, so here's the thing about that. You can't have an initiating signal that is only one way where the Mm. other person either doesn't know how to receive it, which obviously that's not, but doesn't know how to receive it or just isn't interested, right? Like it has to be a way that you signal and receive and connect, right? So it has to be mutual. Mm -hmm. And that's what's often missing. And now the initiating desire types, there's a lot of different ways of signaling. Mm -hmm. And the initiating desire types tend to be a little more overt (laughs) about what that looks like, but not always because you can have plenty of initiating desire or higher desire people who over time have gotten a little bit cautious, who they may kind of just raise their eyebrows at you before they walk upstairs and you're in the middle of, you know, season three of The Crown and Mm -hmm. you completely missed it right, or whatever (laughs) it is. And so they're upstairs going, and I'm so disappointed. And they think that they were direct And it was just they were trying to be cautious because they didn't want to go overboard, right? That ending up missing each other is one of the reasons we have to talk about it. The receptive desire person who is trying to send a signal, it's often so indirect that the person, their spouse doesn't even like see it as a signal. And it's often signaling openness, Not, you know, it's not necessarily signaling like overt interest, but it's openness. Mm -hmm. For example, um, there was one couple that Dr. Mike was working with where they just were not connecting. And it was causing a lot of emotion in the marriage. And so he sat down and he was like, well, tell me, you know, how do you decide you're going to connect? How do you signal each other? How do you say that? What's the communication? 
And the husband just got exasperated and said, I never know when she's interested or not. Mm -hmm. Like, I just never know. And the wife turned to her husband and said, but honey... Last, like last night, while we were, I put my hand on your knee while we were sitting and watching the news on the sofa. And he turns to his wife, he's like, That was you initiating? <laughs> like, it's an indirect signal, but somebody who's maybe more receptive, that may be what they're more comfortable with. And then if you're doing that signal in different places and times, you're going to have no clue. Like, do that at a restaurant. And you're like, wait, wait, is that, what, what yeah, it, like, do we it, need to leave? A check, please? <laughs> like, what's going on here? And and I can understand. It's like, even with all those, I, I think about how they're, as an initiating uh, type, that there's times where I've been rejected so many times. Or Mm -hmm. I might feel like I'm not going to give signals anymore or I don't know. I'm afraid to. And so I can see why whether you're initiating or receptive, it's easy to not have an agreed upon signal or to have have ever talked about it. You're just expecting the person to to just know to pick it up. Yeah. And and so that's the thing we have to change is that mm-hmm. expectation. Like, okay, speaking of camping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in your backyard, maybe, right. but at a campground or out in the wilderness somewhere. Like if you're going camping, you would never actually go camping without knowing how am I going to start a fire? Mm-hmm. Like literally have the spark to start a fire. Right. And you would never like not think about it. Like, okay, do I need to bring, a, you know, a lighter? Do I need to bring matches? Like, what if it's damp? Like, do you I need, need to, to bring right kindling? Yeah. Right. Like you, you would think about that. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same thing. Like, how are we going to actually spark this? What is mm. going to happen? Yeah. Because we haven't really ever talked about it. We haven't thought about it. We just expect things. So, okay. So create a sense of this is for us one of the ways that we can set expectations. For example... Uh, one of the the couples that we actually mentioned in the book, I, and I love this. It's so simple, but it's so helpful. Is the the husband and the wife? She works relatively long hours. So does he. And when she comes home from her job, she will actually take. They have a like a dry erase marker that they right. keep up in their like bathroom, their master bathroom, mm-hmm. and she'll like in this unobtrusive corner of the mirror, she will write a number from one to nine okay. on the mirror, mm-hmm. and it's basically how receptive am I feeling today, or one to ten? Like how mm-hmm. receptive am I? If you approach me, like if you see the number like one to five, that's like stay back if you want to keep your parts. <laughs> Right? Wow. I, I, like, mm-hmm. I am, it has been a horrible it's day. A, it's an off limit sign. It, mm-hmm. it is don't even, or whatever. Yeah. And I can't remember what the numbers exactly were, but it was basically something like that. And then those one to middle, five seems high. I'm like, one, maybe, maybe one, one to three. Four. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then the middle numbers were basically like, well, you know, if you play your cards right, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but maybe. You better at least do the dishes. Something yeah. like that. You better at least listen to my mm-hmm. day, you know, whatever. And then if the number is an 8 to 10, then it's like, you know, I'm a sure thing, right? right? If you ask. Let's get the kids down by 6. Yeah, exactly. By (laughs) 6. That's an example of now she has thought about, which is the other piece of this, she's thought about how receptive am I feeling? How open am I? Just for her to think 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 about it. it. Is she more of a receptive desire person or or did you know that? Yeah, she was. Okay. So for her to even... 
think about that, I think is a pretty mature step. Well, that's the reason this is such a powerful example. Any example like this, where if it is that one person is more initiating, one person is more receptive, to think about what does the receptive desire person do to think about how receptive am I today and how do I signal that? Right. And to give the initiating desire spouse some sort of sense of expectations so that there's not that, oh, I thought, and then the disappointment mm-hmm. and how do I know and the disappointment. And and also when the receptive desire person is like, yeah, it's been a few days and I'm like ready mm-hmm. to be with you. And they have a way to signal their interest, right? That initiating desire husband when he, you know, she's she's downstairs like doing something with the kids and he's running upstairs and looking at the mirror right. and, and he sees that it's a two, he's like, okay. Yeah. Right. Like now, you know, I just focus in on whatever it is that we're doing tonight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, often I think she was a pharmacist or something and she would often just completely fall asleep with her head on his shoulder mm-hmm. watching whatever the their binge watch right. you know, was. Once again, this this episode is not sponsored by Netflix, nor do we have any <laughs> no. affiliation with them at all. But no. I'm sure that all of us have some show we like. And yeah, exactly. it gives her the freedom to do that. And the husband has, has time to process even. Maybe he was expecting coming home and thinking that it was on his mind. And then for him to know exactly where his spouse is. What a gift. It really is. And you see how simple that is. That is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. It is just being able to have some sort of mutual way of connecting on this. I know for uh, Jen and I, it just reminds me that we've often used a candle and give each other permission for the whoever's in the mood, whoever might not be in the mood, to light a candle. And if you have a, a candle lit by your side of the bed, then that means that you're interested. And the other, that's fantastic. The other, the her or I have the permission to blow it out <laughs> if you're not. <laughs> and so, you know, that gives at least a signal to go, hey, I'm interested. Are you? No. Okay. It's pretty clear you're not. It's not on a one to 10 scale. It's kind of an either or. So I like the mirror one a little bit better. But it gave us an opportunity. That was our signal. And it, it gave Jen, who's more receptive, if she saw it, you know, early in the evening, it's like, okay, it shifts it her thinking. thinking about like, it. okay, yeah. maybe I could be. And so it was a great way for each of us to be able to communicate to each other without, you know, having to have like, are you in the mood? Are you not? Like without having to actually say yes. something that feels very inauthentic. That's what I like to about you. both of those. Is yeah. like the mirror or this. There's not as much risk of rejection, I guess, is what I feel. I mean, there's still rejection, but it she doesn't... She might blow the candle out. She can blow the candle out. She has the freedom to do that. Yeah. And if it's been four days and you keep blowing the candle out, it's like, okay, I'm going to get a blowtorch out or something. We're going like, to have a. We're gonna have to have a conversation gonna about what's going on. We're going to put a fire in the bedroom. Yeah. And it's interesting because all of these ideas, everybody can come up with something that works for them. There are many different ways of signaling this, even if maybe, okay, for you, maybe it is you're more verbal. And you've got little kids running around and you're, you're not actually going to say something that the kids are going to understand. Mm. But there was one couple I heard of where he would look at her and say, want to make some cookies? And that was like the signal that went straight over the kids' heads. Really? Because if I was a kid, I'd be like, yes, we're making cookies. <laughs> I know. That's true. And they're probably like, why do my parents always say they're making cookies, but there's never any cookies? Like, well, who's making the cookies? <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Okay. So I'm sure there are better examples of that. But the key no, but is I've everybody's heard... got, you've got something yes. that you can and do. And I think what you were saying, the principle here is 
that we need to have good signals to create the spark. How do we how do we Correct. light that spark? And because intimacy is important, and that's really what we're talking about in the series is it's really not just about sex. It's about how do I move towards intimacy? How do I move in, in the sexual arena of our marriages? Because it's important because God says it's kind of like the glue to uh, our marriage. Our marriage. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, one of the analogies is that if we're one, and I love the concept of it being a glue, of this intimacy, this sexual mm-hmm. intimacy being a glue, because if you think about becoming one, it's not like you've just like clicked two pieces of Lego mm-hmm. blocks together where it can be easily unclicked. You've been glued, yeah. like you're welded. Like if if you tear apart, you are tearing something. Mm-hmm. Like there's damage. Anyone who's ever had a marriage fall apart knows that there's damage yeah, that there's is done. Yeah, collateral effect. Yeah. I love the analogy of it's it's really true. The intimacy, the, the sexual intimacy for the couple really is like that yeah. glue. One of the things that we need to say at this point is if you're talking about how do you send a signal, how do you create the spark, one of the things I'm just going to encourage everybody to do is to make sure that you know what your spouse finds appealing or erotic Mm -hmm. or sexy or whatever, rather than assuming that you've got all the answers about that. And I'll give you an example that I hate to break this to all the men out there in the listening audience. <laughs> I'm really scared of what you're like, going to say. But you strutting around naked after your shower, that probably— I don't know why that wouldn't because anytime <laughs> Jen gets out of the shower, I'm that's a signal. That's I've got a, a signal. signal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for a lot of women, that just isn't the thing that's going to like send, yeah. make that spark happen. We, we tell the men that there's a chapter on grief for— <laughs> <laughs> for having to deal with that one. <laughs> I I won that a couple of the M's who have the have a pot, great podcast in, the in between podcast on marriage and they're from up in Canada and they they have one that you wouldn't think is erotic but they've turned it into kind of a sense for them it works and whenever she says that she's washing the sheets Huh. It's a signal because um, once they're done, they make the bed together. Whenever they make the bed together, they make love that night. And so, or, you know, whenever they end up making the bed. And so all of a sudden, this guy has no problem making the bed. Like he, he enjoys <laughs> making the bed because he knows what's going to happen. And so they've created this internal signal. And I think it's a great rhythm of for them. Interesting. When they when they make the bed together, they're going to enjoy each other. And she, incidentally, is more of the higher desire, higher uh, initiating desire. And so... I think about this one couple we went out and we had like a group of us going out to eat and somehow the next day we found out we didn't find out they made love but there there was some instance where that came up like oh um oh yeah we we wanted to leave dinner that night early and and we're like really and she looked at him and she said yeah I, I sent him the signal and I'm like what did you do was it a word and she's like I'm not telling but we did it twice like that, ah! so there was some signal that they had during dinner to each other they're and, like, oh, we gotta go. Yeah, and that <laughs> meant that they gotta they gotta get up and they gotta they gotta check. Please, let's go. And so. see, I love the playfulness of yeah. that. That kind of sense of we've developed our own language. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is again, we're ta- not just talking about sex. We're talking about intimacy, and that's the thing that can build intimacy and closeness because it's just us. It's us in our own private little world of this language Mm -hmm. that is just for us. Okay, another one. 
Um, that is another signal, and I know we talk about this in another episode, but we have to mention it here, which is scheduling. Yes. Because people think, oh, that's not spontaneous. Mm-hmm. That's not romantic. Okay. And, you know, you could say maybe or maybe not, but let me tell you, just in terms of having that, we're talking about expectations. Right. Having the expectations of like one couple, they said, you know, in general, this we know no matter what else happens during the week, it may or may not happen other times, but we're protecting Saturday morning because hmm. the kids are up doing their own thing. And, you know, they know mom and dad sleep in on Saturday mornings. That's all they know. That's right? all they know. They, the door's just, shut. The door's don't come shut. knock on the door. And that is their kind of no matter what, they know they have that time together. Again, it helps them avoid that sense of disappointment. And obviously, if there's something going on, somebody's not feeling well, they're not in a good relational space, well, of course, you know, you shift things. But other than that, they always have that to look forward to. And don't minimize just how powerful that can be. Well, and I think it builds anticipation. I used to scoff at people that schedule sex until you got married. And then when I realized when you got three kids, you've got both have work, you're, you start getting tired at night. You know, for me, nights are not always the best time anymore just, just because of, of my age. And so I look forward to those times where we schedule lunch, you know, <laughs> when we have a lunch date or whatever it might now, be. Now, if your kids ever listen to this, they're going to oh, be like, yeah. That's fine. I mean, all, all parenting is is preparing your kids for counseling. So I'm just giving them more fodder to talk Absolutely. about one day. Um, but I've always said, you know, we, we can tell what you value by what you pay for, what you sign up for, mm. and, and what you cheer for. And so we sign if we sign up for sex, it shows that we value it. If we schedule it, it shows we value it. And it's amazing what goes in our calendar actually happens. And so if you look at, you know, your calendar and you think, I make sure I take care of the kids. I make sure I take care of work. I make sure I'm taking care of all the things that we take care of. Why not go ahead and schedule something? Because it'll show you value. And it usually gets done when that happens. At the same time, you could schedule it. You could send the right signal. You could do all of those things. But inevitably, somebody's going to say no. Yeah. The candle is going to get blown out. The candle will get blown out. And so the the mirror will say one, (laughs) right? Or zero. Or zero Zero. and or negative three. So, you know, we wanted to ask an expert, like, how do I give a no well? Because we're going to have to give no's to each other. And then how do I receive it to where it doesn't really like destroy my heart, you know, yeah. where I don't let it just hurt me all of the time? Which is especially important if the relationship has gone through some ups and downs. If the relationship is in a, a place where somebody is feeling particularly sensitive, hmm. especially, or maybe you haven't had those signals and you don't know what to do and you're just rolling over in bed and, you know, you're putting your hand on the other person and they pull away. Right. There's a lot of emotion that goes along with that. So what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Well, we wanted to ask Dr. Mike that very question, and he's got some great wisdom. How do you give a no? How do you receive a no? So I love this question because um, we're often quick to say that failure to graciously accept a no is one of the, the highest infectious agents in a couple's sex life. We hear so many stories of it was going along well, and then I was sick one night, and I said no, and my spouse just totally lost their mind and set up a whole pattern of it being unhealthy from that point on. And a couple learning how to say the timing is off, this is not okay, to turn down the initiation and receiving the turn down, I think those are skills that can be developed and need to be developed. 
First off, if the timing is off, if your spouse says, you know, let's be together, I'd, I'd like to be together, and you're thinking, I'm just not interested, just saying no is often kind of harsh to hear. But maybe you can propose another level of connection. So maybe you're not open to intercourse. You don't have the energy for it or you're not feeling the relational connection for it. But we could cuddle. Let's sit on the the couch and watch a TV show together and just cuddle, just kiss. Now, we need to know what those lines are, what we're agreeing to, and protect those lines. But we can start by proposing another level of connection. That's a way to say, I want to be with you, just not in the, the form that you're asking for. I do think as a second thing, it's important for us to be honest with ourselves and with our spouse about why I'm saying no. And the answer might be, I'm sorry, I didn't reserve enough energy for you. The answer might be, you know, I'm still kind of stinging from what you said on Tuesday. You apologized, but I still need to kind of heal from it. So give me another couple of days. There may be a host of reasons why I'm not open to it, but I need to be honest with me and with you of what the real reason is. And then third, uh, maybe forecast a time that I will be receptive. I'm sorry. It has been a really rough couple of days. I have no energy left. I don't think I could show up well. But I promise on Thursday night, I'll reserve some energy and I would like to connect with you. Can we just sit on the couch and cuddle tonight? I would enjoy that. And what you're saying is I still want to be with you, just not that way, but we will be that way down the road. And I think that is a uh, more effective way to kind of turn it down. Now, when you've said no to your spouse, recognize what you've done. You've said no to your spouse. And if they act like they've been rejected, well, how else would you expect them to act? They've just been rejected. And many times I'll have a spouse say, well, I said no, and they got bent out of shape. And I look and say, well, what did you expect them to do? Say, oh, thank you for saying no to me. (laughs) I appreciate that. That's what I was hoping. No, that's not what they were hoping for. If they're human, they're going to have a human reaction, which means they might be hurt. They might be really disappointed. They might be a little angry because you took away something they've been looking forward to for two days. Allow them to have a human reaction. But that shifts the table back to the person who's receiving the no. And they have skills too. And the skill for them is first off, accept the turn down graciously. Your spouse has just said they don't want to connect in the way that you proposed. That doesn't mean that they hate you. It doesn't mean they don't like you. That doesn't mean that they're never going to want to have sex again. So don't blow up. Don't cave in. Don't run away. Those are normal reactions, but none of them are helpful in moving the relationship forward and doesn't create a safe space for our spouse to say no. I like to say, you know, we can't say yes if we can't say no. If you don't give your spouse the freedom to say no, how do you know when they're truly saying yes? And the reality of it is, I want to be desired. I want you to want to be with me. I want you to look forward to being with me. But if I set up an environment where you can never say no without getting punished, then you're saying yes because you're going to get punished if you don't. Well, that's not true desire. And we already start to mess up the relationship. So if I'm hearing a no, I want to accept it graciously. It's okay that I am disappointed. It's okay that I'm sad, but I need to manage those emotions, lean in, and try to connect with my spouse another way. You know, kind of a a way that I invite people who are hearing the no is to shift the mindset from, 
you've just shut it down to challenge accepted. Something wasn't right in the environment, in our relationship in you, that you weren't in the place to want to say yes to me. Yeah, we can problem solve that. Challenge accepted. Maybe it's that I need to spend more time nurturing the relationship. Maybe it's I need to spend more time helping you to feel desired. Maybe it's I need to do more around the house so you have more energy left when it comes to this time. Hard telling what it is, but if I take a, oh, okay, you're not open to it tonight. Challenge accepted. I will figure out how to set the environment up so you're more open to it tomorrow night. That's much better than getting bent out of shape and blaming you for being broken because you don't want me tonight. You know, as I'm listening to Dr. Mike talk, I just can't help but think of Crawford Lorette's, you know, pastor, okay. uh, yeah. board member for Family Life and just a great mentor and communicator and of the gospel. And just about how he would often say that marriage is one of God's greatest gifts to us to help us grow up. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. And it reminds me of that passage in 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, where it talks about it's time for me to put away childish things. And there's been many times in marriage where I've heard a no and taken it very childishly. Mm. And I've pouted and I've hemmed and hawed and I've wanted to manipulate to try to make things. OK, how can I make this happen or make this work as opposed to or getting my way as opposed to just going, how do I love her the way, way that she is right now? Yeah. And to be able to graciously take that no, not make it like a wound on my heart as much as it is and believing the worst about my spouse or the worst about me, but really saying, OK, it's just not tonight. Yeah, it's a timing thing. It's a timing thing. That's one of the things that I was so interested in as we were doing the research, the difference emotionally of hearing it's a timing thing. Hmm. And however you send that signal, whatever that looks like, that's the message that is not the hurtful one. Yeah. And then then it puts on me or both spouses to go, okay, well, then how do we, because this is important to us, how do we create the conditions and the right timing and I think so much of that is, okay, well, let's continue to use our signals because yes. <laughs> it seems like your research said signals pay off. In the long run, signals pay off. Oh, there might be no yeah. here or there, but in the long run, you, you found out some pretty cool things about how couples that had signals had better sex. We, we actually compared people who – we basically asked the couple, like, do you have a signal – that you send to show that you're open or interested in sex and not just do you have one, but does your spouse know to take it that way? Because obviously you can be sending signals all day long, but Mm -hmm. if they don't know to take it that way, it's not what we're talking about. And it was fascinating that 70% of the couples that aren't really having regular sex, they also don't have a signal. Wow. And only 30% of the couples that are having, you know, not having regular sex do have those kinds of signals. It was, and the numbers were flipped on the, on the other side. So, so couples that were having, would you say more satisfying or would you say just were content with their sex life? Yeah, we, we actually, for this one, we were talking about frequency. Okay. We were talking about mm-hmm. whether they were having regular sex mm-hmm. or not. Um, there were all sorts of ways that we also crunched the numbers with satisfaction and that kind of thing. And it was roughly similar. Hmm. Um, but it was just very telling. Right. <laughs> so many of us aren't good at sending signals, right? Like this is something a lot of us need to learn, but it is telling that for those people who do have those signals, they're a lot more likely to also be connecting that way. You know what signal doesn't work, I found in my own research, is lying in bed at night and staring in the back of your spouse's head. <laughs> 
I've tried it many You've times. Tried it. And, and she doesn't and feel the sending laser beams. Vibes. I'm sending vibes. I'm sending <laughs> signals. And for whatever reason, I'm like, we must not be connected. We must not be one. You can't. And she's snoring, you know, what's that, whatever, you know. And you're like, yeah. And that clearly, doesn't work. I'm not waking work. her up with my x-rays, no. with my mental x-rays. And, but it's it's amazing how many people are in that same boat where they've been doing that for years or they've been sending a wrong signal or a signal that's not, as you said, it's not appealing to my spouse. So when I think about what you're talking about today to be able to move towards sexual intimacy is do we have a signal? And maybe it's a few of them. Yeah, there may be things that you didn't even think of was a signal. Like, for example, the person who put her hand on her husband's knee, he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know whether to take that as initiating or not. So you turn it into, okay, well, if I stroke my finger up your leg, then that's a little more obvious. Like, you can have fun Mm -hmm. talking about what that means to you guys. Yeah, and it's probably Morse code. I mean, maybe that'll work. I don't know. (laughs) Figure something out, but it's a great way to be creative as a couple, to be playful as a couple. And it really leans into what we're going to talk about in episode seven is there are probably some sexual superpowers that you're not accessing. And so you're going to want to tune into that. Everybody's ears just perked up. Yep. Yep. That was a fun one to talk about because it it, it hits this whole idea of playfulness. So uh, I hope this has helped restore some new benefits to your sexual intimacy. And it has been a joy to finish out this episode with you, Shanti. Thank you. If you want more information about how you can continue to pursue oneness together, you might want to check out familylife.com slash learn. We've got a great collection of e-courses, not just about intimacy, but we have stuff on how you can love like you mean it, well-blended, financial freedom, just a lot of different information and great courses at your fingertips where you can continue to grow together and pursue the relationships that matter most.